From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. There are many types of headaches and many causes, and here in the HealthLink on Air studio to talk about headache diagnosis and treatment is Upstate Neurologist Dr. Rosama Joseph. Thank you, Dr. Joseph, for being here. You're welcome. Good morning, Amber, and I'm glad to be here. What are the types of headaches most common in Central New York that you see? There are several types of headaches. First, I want to say that we try to classify it as primary headaches, meaning there is no identifiable cause. And then there are the secondary headaches, which are rare, which is due to another disorder like brain tumor or infection. Do you want me to continue with the primary headaches? The most common primary headaches in the population is what we call as tension headaches. Tension headaches. That's the one that everyone gets every once in a while. Almost everybody gets, usually at the end of a very stressful day. But it's a mild, dull, aching pain without any associated other disabling symptoms. So persons usually do not seek medical help for that. They take a Tylenol or aspirin or... right. And then the most common disabling headaches are migraines, which is the one we see in our clinic. There is about 15% of the population worldwide who suffer from migraines. 15%? That's about a lot. 15, some of them may be even undiagnosed. So is there a medical definition of what makes a headache a migraine headache? Yes. What, what is? Migraines are attacks which come and go with headaches associated with other disabling symptoms like nausea, vomiting, extreme noise and light and smell sensitivity, inability to move around. So they are functionally disabled by this. So how do you go about uh, diagnosing that it is a migraine? The most important diagnostic tool, I will say, is the history taken by the doctor with the patient giving the details, which should include several things like the onset, the duration, the frequency, the severity, what are the triggers, associated symptoms, any unusual associated new symptoms, medications already tried and failed, tests done, family history. All these are very important for us to make the diagnosis. So then, by the time someone sees uh-huh. a specialist like you, uh, it, they, they haven't just had a single episode of migraine. They've probably dealt with this for a long time. Correct. Okay. You mentioned family history. Do migraines run in a family? Is there a genetic yes, connection? Yes, there is a good, very good genetic prevalence. Um, about 80% of patients have migraine history in the family, but some of them may be missed. Because in the old time, it was not diagnosed. Okay. So it's a genetically inherited problem. Okay. So once you have the history um, and you're suspecting that this particular patient might have migraines, are there blood tests or imaging tests that are done? or What it is is, you know, like we do a good general history. Then we do a complete physical and neurological examination. It takes almost an hour for me. And once it is done, I can decide pretty well whether these are just benign primary headaches without an associated cause or whether there are secondary headache factors, like we call it red flags, like 
sudden onset of the worst headache fever with next stiffness significant change in the mental status maybe weakness of the muscles loss of sensation loss of vision cognitive functions we look for these red flags or suppose they have malignancy or hiv tb etc then there is high suspicion of a secondary headache at that time we will decide what diagnostic test need to be done to make sure it's not a, yes. a tumor or yes. some other disease or yes. something okay but All most right. of the patients do not need those tests because they are very expensive and cumbersome these migraines um when you do get a migraine they can last a while right yes like days they can last for hours to days especially if they are not treated properly and is there any way to predict um when the migraine's going to come on most of the patients i see they can sort of tell because there are triggers which can bring it on some of them are external some of them are internal like sudden change in the weather humidity hormonal fluctuations extreme stress loss of sleep what you ate or what you did not eat like missing meals all these are predictable but some of them they cannot tell is there anything that a person uh, does or doesn't do that makes them worse or better that can maybe prevent the migraine from developing yes uh, the most important thing i do is educate the patient to give them a lot of resources and there are a lot of triggers which can initiate the attack so if they learn how to avoid them by keeping a headache diary and addressing those triggers we can control it to a great degree and also by taking proper diet doing exercise hydration avoiding uh, circumstances like extreme bright light smell like uh, perfumes very bad cigarette smell all this can cause headaches so if patients sort of learn to avoid them once they understand their triggers once you understand you know what to do to sort of yes. take care of yourself um what about cures is there a way to cure migraines unfortunately there is no cure yet there's a lot of advancement in the treatment management of the headaches but it's not curable uh it can be controlled if the patient and the doctor works together and there are so many new advancements very exciting progress in the management of migraines now hopefully they get better when they get older but that's not a very reassuring thing because right old age is bad in other ways but sometimes i mean i was going to ask you do people outgrow migraines sometimes some patients do there is we call it periods of remission sometimes are years when they don't have the migraines and then it can come back in women especially i see that when they go through menopause or extreme stressful situations the hormones maybe have hormone significant factor yes ma'am do we know what causes migraines in the first place that's a million dollar question really? but uh, you know it's not yet unraveled but there has been progress and i can explain the mechanism if you like to hear that sure yeah, what is believed is that the migraine brain is very excitable and hypersensitive that's like we said it's probably inherited then there are these multiple triggers acting on the brain when this happens certain parts of the brain gets activated and then there is secretion of a neurochemicals which are inflammatory the the number one is the what we call a cgrp 
which is I call as the VIP or the bad guy or VIP. So when this happens, the blood vessels which surround the brain in the meninges and which attach to the skull bone, they get inflamed and swollen. Then the tissue also around the head gets inflamed. That, then the patient experiences the pain and the associated symptoms we just discussed. So it's an inflammatory process. Inflammation. Mm-hmm. And maybe there are other things going on, but we do not know the whole thing. You mentioned CDRP before. So tell me more about what that is. And um, is, do you have a treatment for that? Okay. CDRP is the culprit predominantly involved in the causation of migraine. So there are a lot of advances made recently where drugs have been approved last year, three of them, which works on the CGRP mechanism by reducing the release of that or preventing its attachment to the receptors. I'm sure the patients have seen a lot of commercials on them. It's early stage, but the initial data shows good success and very good safety profile. And these three, there's three different medications that work on the CDRP? Yes, they are very similar, but the problem is it's expensive and the insurance does not approve unless you have tried and failed other common drugs. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Rosama Joseph. She's a neurologist at Upstate. We're talking about headaches and migraines. At what point should someone with headaches seek medical care? Because like we talked, these um, tension headaches are pretty common that everyone, a lot of people will suffer from from time to time. But at what point should you um, seek medical attention? Are there red flags to be aware of? Okay, if the headaches are frequent or interfering with the functional ability or quality of life, then the person should seek help. But the red flags you look for is like what we discussed, like sudden onset, age, above 50 for the first time the headache is coming, or there are other associated neurological symptoms like we discussed, fever, neck stiffness, uh, associated medical disorders like we discussed. Or if you fell and hit your head and then you have a headache yes. kind of thing? Yes. Okay. All right. Do you, um, do you go to a regular physician or are there times that you should go to the emergency department? You if mentioned the like headaches the... are frequent and coming and going and nothing has changed, you can go to a regular physician. They can treat most of the headaches. If they are not well controlled, then they may refer to us, the specialists. But if something like the red flags, like the sudden severe, sudden onset of severe headache, or uh, you're losing your vision, you're losing your motor control, severe fever, neck stiffness, they should go to the emergency room. Because that headache may be a signal of something more serious than that. Okay. Let me ask you what your advice is for managing non-migraine, not the migraines, but just the headaches that people get after a stressful day or a hot being out in the heat, that type of thing. What sorts of things work besides aspirin or Tylenol? (laughs) Are there other remedies that you would recommend? Uh, Mostly we advise natural measures like getting a good massage or an ice pack, relaxation, or sometimes heat if the muscles are very tense. Okay. Let's talk about preparing for a visit to their neurologist. So if a person has had headaches and they see their physician 
um, and the physician refers them to a neurologist, what can they expect at that first visit and how should they prepare for it? Mostly what we already mentioned, you know, the most important thing for us is a very relevant, specific, detailed history. So, so maybe we, take some time to sit down and think about right. what your symptoms have been and when they've happened. Ideally, they should keep a headache diary, writing down the triggers, the attacks, the intensity, the duration, the medications they already took, take, how they worked, all these details. I tell my patients to keep a diary, not just for immediate headaches, but over the time period when they saw other physicians, what they tried, what, they, what did not work, what kind of tests they had. You know, that kind of history is very important for us. Do they need to keep track of, like, what they eat and drink and how, when they exercise? Does, is that part of a headache diary or not? When they get a headache, look at the things they ate because there are a lot of dietary triggers, especially red wine, sometimes chocolate, MSG, nitrates, preservatives, additives. We encourage they, that they eat more natural fresh homemade food rather than eating preservatives, avoid excessive caffeine and artificial sweeteners. They are all triggers. You mentioned MSG and nitrates, and those are things, um, if you're not reading food labels, you might not realize those are part of what you're eating. Correct. But you as a physician, if you see their, their food diary written down, you would recognize. Yes, Okay. And they should recognize. My impo- most important thing I do is to educate the patient about how to avoid the triggers. So they need to take charge. So they, there are a lot of information they can get from reliable sources like American Migraine Foundation, National Headache Foundation. So they have a list of all the dietary triggers, other things they can do, and a lot of information which the patient has to get information because every person is different. One person's trigger may not be the one for the other person. You mentioned every patient is different, um, and and that my, migraines, back to migraines now, sort of run in families or can run in the family, but um, if your mother had certain triggers, does that mean you'll have the same triggers or not necessarily? Not necessarily, but sometimes yes. And uh, sometimes the medications the, which help the mother may help the children. So I like to get that history too. Just to know. And then... Uh, but each person is going to have to learn what works for them in terms of preventing or minimizing. Yes. Okay. Well, good to know. Well, thank you so much for this information. My guest has been Upstate Neurologist Dr. Rosama Joseph. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, Health Link on Air.